What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Okay, let the fun begin. Training camp week is here. August 5th is the Hall of Fame game. We're almost in August. Aaron Rodgers is making it super awkward for the Packers, right? Maybe that's not fair to say. It's getting super awkward for the Packers right now, and we are uh, maybe in a little bit of panic mode with what to do with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have some rankings disputes. We're going to talk about Gardner Minshew's bathroom habits, of course. And guys, uh, Heath and Jamie are here. I'm Adam Azer. Uh, Welcome to the show. I had a dream about fantasy football last night, and one of you was in the dream. Would you like to know who it was? was, I hope it was Heath and Gardner Minshew's bathroom habits. (laughs) I'm assuming because you said dream and not nightmare that it was Jamie. <laughs> it was Jamie was in it. He was the commissioner. We were doing a draft in a parking lot and everybody was in different cars. It was very strange. I got to four picks. I know I got Najee Harris in the second round. And of course, the time expired on me in the fourth round. But Jamie let me have Allen Robinson anyway, even though someone, probably Jack, I don't know. No, it was uh, Coca. It was Matthew Coca who produces nothing personal. He was really pissed that I got to get my player, even though my time had expired. It was just, it was a very me dream. You know, that's that happens. I'm surprised, given what, with the pandemic, that there wasn't a draft like that, like in a parking lot. Like people got together and just to be safe. You know, yeah. like, hey, we still want to do our draft in person, but we're going to do it from our cars. You shout <laughs> out your picks. Like, that yeah. would have been fun. Just need Wi-Fi. But I've obviously, I have yeah, fantasy football. Board in person. Oh, with like a big board? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. This was done on Wi-Fi. We had a very tech-savvy crew in a parking lot that was near we all had Tesla? Wi-Fi. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. All right, so we're going to do some rankings disputes on Matthew Stafford. Why wasn't Heath in the league? But Coco was. Heath may have been. I only, there were only like no, four people. Like, do, you, do you know how much this guy hates my guts? I <laughs> go on vacation for a week. I come back and, and the, the first day he says, I would like to do rankings disputes on your rankings. And I'd like for you to just talk bad about players, please. Can we talk about five guys that Jamie really likes and you just <laughs> have to poop all over? Oh, we'll throw in one that you like more than Jamie. You both have him ranked to the top 12 wide receiver. That'll be fun. Well, you You're should right. uh, go back and listen to FFT and Five, where he tried to defend your side of Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what to say because I know on FFT and Five we did Stafford and Javante Williams. We had the debates, and I played the role of Heath, and I even gave him a I gave a Heath side Heath side number five number three. Oh. Yeah, uh, and um, I didn't know what your Stafford. Well, I have him sixteenth. I didn't know what it was. I know what your Javante, Javante Williams argument was, but I look forward to hearing your Stafford argument. That'll be the first one we do. Also, Javante Williams, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, and Allen Robinson, and a ton of news to get to here. Your quote of the day is from Gardner Minshew. He was on the Green Light podcast, and he was talking about his QB competition with Trevor Lawrence, and he said, in preparation for the competition, I haven't taken a bleep in weeks. That's not an option for me. Number two is not an option. So he's holding it in. No pooping for Gardner Minshew in weeks. That's going to hurt. I don't know how that's going to help him. But if you had any concerns about Trevor Lawrence being the starting quarterback, I think this is a good he'll, – he'll probably beat uh, a constipated Gardner Minshew. Well, there you go. Thank you, Gardner Minshew, for that. All right, let's start with this ranking. the Jaguars would have traded him. Like, he's 
he's he's fun. Clearly, he's fun. Um, he's a fun fantasy quarterback. I don't know if he's a very good NFL quarterback, um, but he cer- he certainly would have had you know he should have been given a chance to to, to compete for a job. He's not going to get the job in Jacksonville. Clearly. Yeah, he's a high end backup. If he's not a starter, he's one of the better backups. So yeah, give him a chance to start. He's a top twenty fantasy quarterback when he's healthy. Anyway. Matthew Stafford is 11th for Jamie and 16th for Heath. He has been top 12 per game in three of the last five seasons. 2019, he was number three per game. That was only in eight games. So, Heath, uh, going to the Rams, and you were on vacation. So, is this updated? I think it is. Updated after the Cam Akers news. Uh, I think I actually moved him up one spot in the projections. I'm updating rankings today. I've I've made a couple of moves, like I moved Michael Thomas down and took Cam Akers out while I was on vacation, but I didn't do a lot of the peripheral stuff. So I think I have him 15th now, and he is someone who projects a little bit higher than I rank him. But we've talked, and we've talked about two things a lot. One, there's probably 20 to 22 guys who could be top 12 quarterbacks this year. There's 20 to 22 guys we're fine with as our number one quarterback. That's why we generally say wait on quarterback. Two, once you get past the top 10 to 12, pretty much all we care about is upside. And the only thing I don't know, we do have that eight games from a couple years ago where he flashed the top five upside. But I talk a lot about how I like the bigger sample sizes. And for his career, he's a 33-year-old quarterback who has not finished top 10 since 2017 and has one top five season in his career. So I just don't, it's hard for me to see that he has that top five upside unless a lot of things go wrong for a lot of quarterbacks. And Jamie 11th for you for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a top five quarterback, but I do think he's going to be a top 10 caliber quarterback. Uh, it was interesting. Um, Peter King, um, you know, the legendary NFL columnist, was on uh, Dan Patrick's radio show, and he said, which was a little surprising to me, that he thinks Stafford is going to lead the NFL in passing yards and pass attempts, with the run game being what it's going to look like this year. So, um, I had Stafford, as I said on F fifteen five, Adam. I had Stafford uh, just outside my top twelve. You know, he had gone anywhere from thirteen to fifteen. You know, just when moving guys around, and then prior to the Cam Akers injury, I just started thinking about. Him versus Burrow and what the difference is and, you know, looking at the situations and the coach and the coaching staff and and the personnel. And I'm like, you know, I think I like staff a little bit better because I don't think Burrow's going to run very much coming off the ACL. So I moved him up there. And then it was, okay, how can I tell people not to draft Deshaun Watson because of his situation, but still draft Aaron Rodgers because of his situation? And I moved Stafford ahead of Rodgers. And so, you know, to me, he's very similar to Brady. Uh, He's very similar to the non-mobile quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's going to challenge to throw for 5,000 yards again with the additional game. I think he's going to be, you know, 35-plus touchdowns, potentially 40-plus touchdowns. Uh, He's going to, you know, continue to be a very good source of fantasy production um, with his receiving core being the best of his career in terms of depth. And so with the run game, you know, potentially being a problem, uh, I think Stafford's got a huge season in front of him. Okay. 2014, he had... Yeah, in terms of depth, I think that's a good call. 2014, he had Golden Tate, who had a 1,300-yard season, and Calvin Johnson had almost 1,100 yards. And Stafford did not have a great year. He was only QB 18 per game. Uh, He had a couple of 1,000-yard receivers in 2017, and he was QB 11 per game. That was Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. Uh, But yeah, there's this is a really good receiving core for sure. They have this tendency to run the ball near the goal line. And like last year, Jared Goff was 21st in the NFL in red zone pass attempts, 25th in green zone pass attempts. Two years ago, he was 11th in red zone pass attempts and 6th in green zone pass attempts, but that was when Goff led the NFL in passing, in pass attempts. So uh, over the last two years, they've gone very run heavy near the end zone. Heath, without Akers, does that open things up a little bit more for Stafford? You know, and could you see yourself moving him up? I think it definitely opens up possibilities. Like I said, I did. I think I've. I think I moved up from sixteen to fifteen. Yeah, um, I meant just sorry, based I meant on more that than news. that. Okay, but you think it's probably where he's going to stay? I. You could make a very good argument for him. I, I think as high as thirteen. It's just. It's just about whether you can envision that upside. And like Jamie mentioned, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. And I can understand if somebody wanted to draft Stafford over them because if you draft them you're drafting at least you're drafting a second quarterback and you're making it a, a much higher priority than if you draft Stafford. But I I think there's a much better chance for Rodgers to give you a top 5 season than there is for Stafford. 
Oh, and I'll, I'll amend that. Obviously, if, if Rodgers is locked into play, Rodgers is ahead of Stafford for me. So it's just, you know, where we are right now, knowing the uncertainty of those two guys, that's why I put Stafford ahead of him. I really can't Same believe that. I can't believe you moved ahead of Burrow. That really surprises me. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the Akers injury. You know, okay. if, if this run game could be terrible. You know, I mean, I like Daryl Henderson, but this run game could be atrocious. Yeah. You know, so if he gets hurt and you're talking about, you know, uh, Xavier Jones and the backups there and whoever else they bring in as a veteran guy to help out if they do that, uh, it, it could be. And, and, you know, you already see Sean McVay, like how excited he is about Matthew Stafford. And, and you know, the, the metrics and the numbers we're going to look at from what the Jared Goff-led Rams were, I don't want to say he throws out the window because the coach's tendencies are the coach's tendencies, but he has a borderline Hall of Famer now on his team, as opposed to Jared Goff. Okay, uh, that is our first rankings dispute. We've got more coming up for you later. It is the final week, and I'm going to get really annoying about this, so just get get used to it, Twitter. Uh, please vote for us in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Final week to vote for fantasy football today. Help us out. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. The link is in the ap- episode description. Uh, and toggle down to the sports category so please help us out. Podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Go to the sports category, nominate fantasy football today. We want to win it this year, so help us become a finalist. We're also going to be live tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, with another mock draft. These are really, really helpful and really, really fun. Our Tuesday night mock drafts on our YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. You can watch all of our shows there, by the way. And uh, this will be live at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern, sorry. Uh, Tuesday night. It's a mock draft, and we're giving away a spot in our next mock so you can draft against our experts. Hit the subscribe button right now. Get notified when we're live. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. We'll see you 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Let's do the news and notes. Here we go. Houston acquired wide receiver Anthony Miller from the Bears. Heath, do you see any fantasy impact here? That's the Houston news you lead with? And then we'll get into all the quarterback stuff. I mean, wait, wait, wait a second. What, what am I missing here? Because Dave was talking about how he's upset that he's not on for the Deshaun Watson news. I understand he reported to camp. He reported to camp because he doesn't want to get fined $50,000 a day. And that's going to happen if he doesn't report. Uh, he's not I don't, He's not any closer to playing, is he? Well, they also he's said that about this? the Texans are... He just said he wanted to talk to about him as well. Yeah, for this, five, is, this is the first we've heard the Texans are open to trading him. I thought that was the bigger news. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. It just felt... Okay, fine. I'll play that game. Hey, Heath, <laughs> the Texans are open to just trading Deshaun Watson. And he well, what about to... Anthony Miller? Yeah, what about <laughs> Anthony Miller? Well, I mean, you know, if, if I, you look at that situation, it's going to be hard to find a better receiving core than Brandon Cooks and Anthony Miller. Um, but maybe he can find a good... No, I. this made me... And I don't know that it matters too much, and I'm really uncomfortable with drafting Deshaun Watson at all at any point. But it made me feel like a slight glimmer of hope that maybe there's a chance that Deshaun Watson does play a decent amount this year. Yeah, and obviously it's a moral conundrum for for fantasy managers. We're going to let you decide that. We're not for gonna, everyone. We're not going to tell you what to do. You yes, for everyone, absolutely for fan, for franchises as well. Um, we know that his uh, what his court case is not going to be until after the season. So, yeah. And, and to be clear, at this point, he has no criminal charges or criminal investigation, right? Like, it's that a I'm civil not sure about. I, I know the lawsuits I think are right, civil. Heath, but I, 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 I don't know if we should say that without knowing for sure. I thought that they did open a criminal investigation. I will look it up. But right you now... You strike that then if, that's, if I'm wrong. Yeah, and that's... I, okay. think, I think the thing to keep in mind, first off, the two teams that seem the most likely to be interested in trading for Deshaun Watson, there's the report our own Jonathan Jones was on CBS Sports HQ talking about this, uh, Philadelphia. So, you know, for those of you in Dynasty Leagues, you got to be a little concerned about Jalen Hurts. Uh, and then Miami, you know, because they have also, you know, shown, expressed some interest from reports. And they, those are the two teams that have, I think, the assets that the Texans would be looking for, which according to Chris Mortensen, are uh, five uh, – a comp- of, I don't know how to phrase it right. A compensation of five things in return, draft picks and players for 2021. So it could be three picks, as we've heard, three first-round picks and two players. Uh, so, for example, Philadelphia could, let's say, give you three first-round picks, give the Texas three first-round picks, Jalen Hurts and Zach Hurts, for example, if they wanted to make a trade like that happen. Um, 
the, the, the secondary part of this, and this is factors in Anthony Miller, is if by chance Deshaun Watson plays or they get a quarterback upgrade over Terod Taylor and Davis Mills, let's say Jalen Hurts, let's say Tua Tungabailoa, let's say it's another veteran that comes back in return, Brandon Cooks' value is going to be particularly pretty good, you know, based on where he's been going right now. And his obvious uh, skyrocket of uh, the rankings, I know, Heath, you've talked about this quite a bit, that he could be a potential top 15 receiver with the right quarterback, um, is going to be uh, amazing. And then Anthony Miller, you know, now becomes a guy who – is probably still buried on the depth chart because he's going to have to prove he's better than, and this may sound funny, but better than a guy like Randall Cobb, better than Nico Collins, um, you know, the other guys that they have that are going to compete for, you know, similar type of jobs that Anthony Miller is going to play for. But they traded for him for a reason, I think, to bring him in and see what he has and could be part of their, you know, end game in terms of where they get to in 2022 um, if he still has the ability to prove he can play and play at a high level. So it's not a bad gamble on the Texans' part having to give up nothing to get a guy who could still hopefully help their team in the future. He is under criminal investigation. That was announced in April. We just haven't really okay. heard anything about that since. So we'll see how this unfolds. Uh, Michael Thomas, any clarification on his timeline? It could be maybe four to eight weeks of the season. Is that fair? I, I believe they have a week six by. Yes, and they have week what, six by, and then they have two division games. I'm sorry, we, they week six by, week seven they play Seattle, and then they have week uh, division games in weeks eight and nine. So I think that's the, the range you're looking yeah. at. Week seven, week eight, week nine. Well, why? But he could be back in week five. It's a possibility, right? We have to at least I, say that. It's a possibility that he misses about a month of the season. Well, we'll I, I, yes, if I was, I, I think if I was assigning percentage chances to it, most of the percentage chances would be after the week six bye. But okay. it is possible he would play in week five. I'm sure their record will determine that as well. You know, if he's ready to go and has been practicing for a couple of weeks, remember it's, you know, the, the timetable is not necessarily playing by week five. It's could be practicing by week five. Yeah. Okay. Dak Prescott practiced in full. He's good to go. He and, wants and, to play and in the preseason. One more thing, Adam. Okay. We, we saw last year, they were extremely cautious with him, even shutting him down at the end of the season, you know, so they're not going to be afraid to, I think, you know, handle him gently. Yeah, and look, if he punches a teammate in practice, that that would also delay his timeline to get back. Probably so. He might punch one of the two quarterbacks. <laughs> okay, so Dak, practice, Dak Prescott's good to go. He wants to play in the preseason. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott lost lost a lot of weight. We're going to talk about him in a little bit with the rankings disputes. Amari Cooper expected to start practicing in mid-August as he recovers from his ankle injury. Patrick Mahomes, full go. Joe Burrow, full go. Now let's talk about the Packers. So... Mike Florio of Pro Football Focus said at least one team that's interested in Rodgers believes that he wants $90 million guaranteed over two talk. years. Oh, thank you. Pro Football Talk. And um, Las Vegas Sportsbooks, according to Sports Illustrated's Bill Huber, are preparing for Aaron Rodgers to retire. Rodgers and Devontae Adams both posted an image of the last dance on social media. So maybe that meant they're going to have one last dance together. I don't the know. The last leap. The last leap. That's good. I like that. I'd watch that documentary. So, okay, Devontae Adams, is he still wide receiver one? I still have him there. Um, but I, st- and I, I really haven't adjusted Rodgers all that much either. I definitely haven't adjusted Aaron Jones. Um, I don't know whether the last dance thing means this is the last dance or we already had our last dance. And I don't really know that the first day of training camp is going to tell us all that much, whether they, they show up or don't show up. But as of right now, I still just think the most likely outcome is they're both going to play this year, even if they play unhappy. Why didn't they post the, um, the Last Dance song by Donna Summer, you know? So Last Dance. I, that... I always find a way to sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Uh, and Aaron, so Jamie Aaron Jones, how are you treating him? I, I, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, he, you said you haven't adjusted those guys. I've kind of been treating Aaron Jones like you have to be a little bit cautious, but I haven't done the same thing with Devontae Adams just in terms of rankings, but I really haven't been drafting either guy. Um, I think Aaron Jones with Aaron Rodgers is still a top five fantasy running back and should be drafted as such. Without Aaron Rodgers, he's still a starting caliber running back, but I think he's clearly closer to 12 than he is to five. Um, Adams, I think, you know, has to be downgraded. You know, it, it's, um, 
I, you know, I, I go back to a radio show I did about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and it was a super flex draft. And, and I, I think Adams went in round three or late round two. And the host said, I wouldn't touch him until round three. And it kind of makes sense. You know, round two is, I, I think, the earliest you have to take Devontae Adams. And it's hard to justify drafting him as the number one receiver at this point when you have Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, who could do just as well, if not better, than what Adams is capable of doing. Um, you know, they're all in that mix. So I, I think you have to sort of be cautious with Devontae Adams at this point. You know, it, it, it's kind of been reflective in the drafts we've done. You know, everybody's afraid to draft him. Yeah. Uh, let me give the numbers. I know these these are going to come up a lot over, over the next however long it takes for this to get settled. But he played eight games without Rodgers in 2017, Devontae Adams. His 16-game pace was 92 catches, 1,086 yards, 10 touchdowns on 142 targets. And that was with Brett Hundley being terrible. He was on pace. Brett Hundley was on pace for just uh, for 3,068 yards and 16 touchdowns. And... So basically, he threw eight touchdowns, and uh, five of them went to Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson were still on the team. That was really great production, but it wasn't first-round production. It was probably, you know, two, three-turn production, something like that, depending on the year for different wide receiver. Different team, too. What's that? Different kind of team, too. Different coach, different scenario. Yeah, right. I'm sure they were less run-heavy. I don't know if they were for those eight games because their quarterback play was so bad, but yeah, this is a run-heavy team, typically. Okay, so that's uh, just the numbers for you to know on Devontae Adams when he played last time without Aaron Rodgers. And there is a great chance, according to Eagles sideline reporter Howard Eskin, that Zach Ertz remains with the team to start the Boo. season. Yeah, Heath, if, if Ertz is on the team in week one, would you draft Adam Troutman or Dallas Goddard? Well, I mean, I think it definitely Ertz got Ertz value in <laughs> redraft, but I don't. I'm not going to drop him low enough to take Adam Troutman over him. I'm kind of skeptical of the Adam Troutman top 12 thing, and I think Goddard can still be top 12 with Ertz on the team. It sounds like the report that I read, it sounds like the Eagles have made it pretty clear that Ertz is the second tight end and that Goddard is their number one tight end. And I like I think he maybe got a lesson this offseason that there wasn't really anybody willing to give up for him because he wanted to be paid like the, a top two or three tight end, and he's just not that anymore. And no team was willing to trade for him like he was a top two or three tight end. It's also so, the thought that this is to try and drum up more interest in Zach Ertz. You know, so could be. you know, I I wouldn't necessarily go with the uh, oh he's definitely part of the team. And there was an NFL Network report that sort of countered this that said the the Eskin report said that it seems like Ertz is okay with everything that's gone on. The NFL Network report said it's not all roses uh, with Ertz and the Eagles. Um, I would take Trotman over Goddard if. Ertz is on the roster. Um, you know, just with the Michael Thomas injury now, uh, Troutman, I think, has the chance to have a breakout season. I liked him as a sleeper before. Now I think he has a chance to maybe be the best pass catcher for New Orleans until Michael Thomas is back. Do you think, and I saw some speculation on Twitter about this, that Michael Thomas being out for the first month, two months of the season makes it more likely that Taysom Hill starts week one? We talked about this uh, with the breaking you know, news yeah, story. Yeah, thanks for listening. That- <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, if it, it, it makes sense from the Saints standpoint, just because you know you you have a wild card at quarterback, but also you know this this puts Jameis's you know feet to the fire and say, okay, if you can make it work without Michael Thomas, then maybe you make it. Maybe you're you're great with Thomas. I think they're just gonna let it play out. I don't think it's gonna determine how they. Uh, I don't think it's gonna let the Thomas injury is not gonna determine who they decide their quarterback is. I think they're gonna have an open competition and the best guy will win. And if you missed that bonus pod, like Heath. Alvin Kamara averaged seven catches per game without Michael Thomas. That was a 112-catch pace in 16 games. Okay, more news. I'm going to breeze through these so we can get to the rankings disputes. If you have anything to say, uh, wait until the end, and then you can speak your piece. Giants rookie wide receiver Kadarius Toney is on the reserve COVID list. Saquon Barkley is on the pup list. Not a huge surprise for Barkley. Uh, according to Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic, who covers the Rams, Xavier Jones, they're one, of, one of the running backs we talked about as a potential replacement for Akers, quote, Xavier Jones, quote, may quietly be one of the Rams' better assets this fall, end quote. Minnesota signed D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver. Philadelphia signed cornerback Steven Nelson, of the, formerly of the Steelers, to a one-year deal. O.J. Howard has not yet been cleared. He's recovering from the Achilles injury. Dallas is expected... Little, little, I don't like that. What? 
I, I've said a lot of things this offseason about I'd rather have O.J. Howard oh. than Gronk. Um, and he was better when they played together last year, and he's younger and probably more athletic. But I, I would like for him to get cleared to at least practice pretty quick. Yeah. It's still early, but yeah. Also, you were supposed to wait till the end, but that's okay. Dallas expected <laughs> to sign safety Willie Cooker. Uh, New England running back Ramondre Stevenson is on the, on the non-football injury list. Arizona pass rusher Chandler Jones. This is actually pretty big news. He has requested a trade, according to Jeremy Fowler. Oh, this is cool. The Rams hired Andy Benoit as an assistant to Sean McVay. We used to work with him. He was a CBS NFL writer, then Sports Illustrated. Now he's working for the Rams. So if either of you go to Sports Illustrated in a few years, I'll expect you to be in the NFL in some capacity 10 years after that. Sweet. And a couple of offensive um, line coaches are not with their teams anymore because they're not getting vaccinated. That's Rick Dennison of the Vikings. They've left the door open for him to return. And Cole Popovich of the Patriots. Um, and that's that's the end of my news and notes. Uh, you know, I, I know we did the Cam Akers emergency show and you brought up Xavier Jones again. If you have the ability to make dynasty moves now, add drops. Heath, let us make add drops. Um, <laughs> uh, pick up Xavier Jones just to speculate. That's a good idea. Rankings disputes. Here we go. Javante Williams. Heath hates all these guys. Now, Javante Williams. Jamie's got him 26th. Heath has him 37th. Jamie, 26. Oh, Heath, you want to get in there? No, go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead, Jamie. Oh, no, no. Please, you first. Four is yours. Okay. I, this is the one that made me the most uncomfortable when you sent the rankings over. And I think it's weird that like I haven't had to defend Javante Williams all summer, apparently, because I haven't, and I never get to a point to where I wish that I had drafted him. So I just haven't really thought about it too much. And I think I've got him a little bit too low, but my problem is I, I think kind of like what I've said about Michael Carter, I think he's a part-time back. His competition's obviously a lot better than Carter's is. Um, and I don't know if this Broncos offense is going to be good or good for running backs. The, uh, especially in terms of touchdowns and targets. Last year, they were 29th in passes to running backs, 28th in running back target rate. They've only scored 11 touchdowns, all of their running backs combined last year, only 12 the year before. And they were like 28th in total scoring offense. If he was getting, if I thought there was a, a decent chance that he could get all of that work, then I think there's a chance that he could be a, a low-end number two running back. But I fully expect it's going to, even if he's the lead, it's going to be a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. And if you're sharing in a bad offense, I, I'm just not that into it. it I, on the other hand, I mean, if you look at just what Gordon and Lindsay did in terms of carries and yards last year, it was really good production. It wasn't that. What, what did the stats you gave? Yeah, in the passing game, it wasn't so good. It was targets and touchdowns is what I was talking about, not rushing yards. They yeah, were. They did run. They a were. Lot. I think. I think they were right at league average in terms of rushing yards per game. They okay. were 16th, I believe. But yeah, okay, but. That factors in all positions because that the the mobile quarterbacks influence that, right? They had if they probably were like top twelve in running back rushing yards. Yeah, so that's not bad. And they ran a lot the year before with Freeman and, and Lindsey, not as effectively. Uh, you know, the thing is, he's actually going twenty second right now in ADP in the month of July in NFC. We got an email that said, "What is NFC?" Heath, would you care to explain in ten seconds what NFC is? National Fantasy Football Championship. That's NFFC. National Fantasy. Well, I think it's NFC for football, and then there's the baseball, ver like NFBC, we say for baseball, right? And Right. Yeah, but it's like uh, high stakes, very invested people, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's best, but there's best ball drafts, there's cut line drafts, there's a variety of different drafts, and they do host the National, National Fantasy Football Championship, the NFFC. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, there's, it's a combination of a lot of different types of drafts, but it's people almost entirely playing for money, whereas like like fantasy football today is mostly mock drafts. So it's just, it's a couple, FF today, it's a couple of different uh, types of data. Okay, yeah, so we think it's a little more reliable right now. Once we start getting into draft season, we'll start using CBS ADP, Fantasy Pros ADP, and stuff like that. But we're using NFC right now. Javante Williams is going... Five picks after Travis Etienne, ahead of Miles Gaskin, ahead of Kareem Hunt, ahead of Mike Davis, ahead of James Robinson, Chase Edmonds. So 
uh, running back 22. But Jamie, all the things that he'd say, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. Melvin Gordon did have a very good year last year. He was he was even good in things like yards after contact and attempts per broken tackle, yards per carry. It was a very basic stat he was very good at. And yet there's a lot of people just really feel like Williams is going to take over, including at least one beat writer. So you have him in your top 30, not quite 22, but you have him 26, I think I said. So why are you much higher on Javante Williams? I think this comes down to how you play this game, you know, and how you sort of evaluate situations and, you know, upside ceiling versus floor, those type of things. Um, If Javante Williams wins the job and gets the opportunity to get the majority of touches, he has the chance to be a potential league winner. Not at that ADP, though, because he has to really take over that job and Melvin Gordon has to not play. So you're taking a huge risk in taking him that high. But for me, when I start to compare him to the guys that he's being drafted around, and that's um, Michael Carter, Kareem Hunt, um, uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, those those caliber of, of running backs, uh, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, you know, you want, you want to put in some of these veteran guys that are in timeshare. Chase but that's, Edmonds. that's in the drafts. Um, that, that's not in what I just said. That's you're talking about. Not in the ADP in, in, in terms drafts, of like our drafts and, yeah, and, yeah. and rankings and, and whatnot. You know, the, the things that, you know, our audience is seeing a, a little bit more of. I just think that if he does get that opportunity and the Broncos, I, I think, sort of, you know, showed us that maybe they don't love Melvin Gordon as much. Maybe they were just looking for, you know, not just a 2021 compliment, but a 2022 guy and beyond. You know, those are the questions we have to find out. But I think if he does hit and those are the things you're hoping for, then he has the chance to be a league winning type of fantasy player. Now, again, you know, if you're taking him in the round four, five range, it's probably too soon. If you're getting him maybe six, seven, eight, you know, I think that's a little bit better. Again, we're splitting hairs here, but uh, I think it's, it comes down to, you know, when you want to get him. Now, the flip side of that is if Melvin Gordon continues to get pushed down, then he should have a chance to be a, a good fantasy asset for you. But again, it's ceiling versus floor. And I think Javante Williams has the higher ceiling based on what the Broncos have told us. All right, let me ask you guys this. Let's just say hypothetically Melvin Gordon, uh, I don't want to say wins the lottery. That's what somebody said about Cam Akers. Uh, Melvin Gordon gets traded. He gets benched. He gets benched. All right, fine. He gets benched. And Javante Williams has the job. Week one, he's the starting running back. Melvin Gordon's barely going to play. Where would you rank? Where would you draft him? Would you draft him in round three? Yes. Yeah, three sounds good. Okay. Ahead of David Montgomery? Yes. Probably right behind David Montgomery. All right. Okay, uh, our next our next rankings dispute comes to us via bribe. Somebody asked me to bribe me to put CD Lamb on the show to talk about CD Lamb, and it worked. And you know why it worked? Because he donated Cassidy donated to St Jude, and I said, okay, awesome. we will talk about CD Lamb. And he wants to talk about Travis Etienne too. We'll save that for another day. But you can listen to our Travis Etienne profile with Jacob Gibbs on Fantasy Football Today in Five that we recorded just a few days ago. But C.D. Lamb, this is a great way to get your questions on the air. If you want to bribe us and donate to St. Jude, you'll get your your, uh, topic. Make it like a broad topic on the air. C.D. Lamb, 13th for Jamie, 20th for Heath. Technically, I'm averaging. 19th in PPR, 21st in non-PPR. Jamie, you get to go first. C.D. Lamb, 13th. I, I, I can only judge him, in my opinion, based on what he did with Dak Prescott. And in the games with Dak Prescott, with no offseason, where they didn't get a chance to, you know, fully throw everything at him, which they're doing right now, he averaged over 16 PPR points per game in those five games. Uh, we all love Dak Prescott. We expect him to come back. You heard what Jerry Jones said. Maybe the best shape of his career. Uh, as you alluded to, Adam, he's, he's ready to go. Should be 100%. You have now Mari Cooper dealing with this ankle injury that is going to keep him out until after the first preseason game. Who knows if that lingers into the season, but they expect him to be fine. But I don't really factor that in. Uh, Cooper to me is the is the one, and Lamb is the one A. Wouldn't be surprised if those roles flipped. Um, CD Lamb has just uh, a ton of upside, and I think what he showed us in those first five games is something that we can buy into getting over the course of the season. That well, that was almost fourteen hundred yards. Well, it it, it's just like you talk about with D- Dak was on pace for sixty five hundred yards. I went and looked at the target share. For on Dak's throws last year, Amari Cooper was at 23%. CeeDee Lamb was at 17. Zeke and Dalton Schultz were at 14. And Michael Gallup was at 11. Hmm. If if that target, like, I, and I project Lamb at like 19 or 20% now. So I think he's going to go up from that anyway because he was a rookie. The, but this is kind of for me like a situation with Tampa Bay where, and I went and looked to see like which of the Cowboys am I higher on than Jamie? 
And because he's got Cooper higher than, than me and Lamb higher than me. And I think Gallup just a little bit higher than I do and Zeke higher than I do. I have Dak higher. One of us isn't making very much sense in that regard. Like, I don't think. But you have Dak, what, three or four? Uh, three or four, yeah. I think I have four. Yeah, yeah I have five. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> well, I think if 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 Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are going to be top 13 or 14 wide receivers, and and um, Blake Jarwin's going to be a top 13 tight end, and Michael Gallup's still in that 40, 40 range, then Dak's probably one or two. But he doesn't rush as much as he rushes, but he doesn't rush as much as Kyler or Lamar. Uh, who well, the passing production he's going to have to have to sustain that. He doesn't rush as he doesn't rush as much as Allen, Kyler, Lamar. His last year on a per Wilson game basis, Cooper year. was around twenty, and Lamb was around thirty, and Gallup was around fifty. But what were they in the first five games of the season? Well, if I mean, like I said, if we're going to use the first five games of the season, then Dak needs to be QB one because he was on pace for sixty five hundred yards. Okay, wait, I did some weird... Okay, ready for this math? Yo, I love it. Okay, okay, here we All go, right. stat. So, first five games, Prescott played about four and a half of those games. But first five games, Lamb was on pace for 93 catches, 1,386 yards, six touchdowns on 128 targets. That was with Prescott averaging 44.4 pass attempts per game. And, I mean, it's a little skewed because I didn't include any production that Lamb had with Andy Dalton. But Prescott, 44.4 pass attempts per game. That was up That was up uh, from 37.3 pass attempts per game in 2000. This is so stupid. I'm not even going to continue. I'm just <laughs> no, not no even... you need to give us 80% of CD 84%. 84%. 84%. 84%. 84%. 84%. 84%. 84% of CD Lamb's production would have been a pace of 78 catches, 1,164 yards, five touchdowns on 108 targets. Wow, that is as, as Azer statty as I've ever gotten. And I, I have him projected to be much better than that. Good, but you have him 20th. Right, exactly. And what do you have him projected for? Uh, 83, 10, 93, and 6. That's not better than that. You said what? 78, 1,164 yards, and 5 touchdowns in, in 16 games. Yeah, okay. So, so you actually have him worse. So slightly worse. Nah, not really. Because I mean, it's that's like a hundred and something yards worse uh, when you factor in the extra game. Like, like 10 catches better and one more touchdown. You're not getting one more touchdown. No, it's out of not better. You have five catches better in one extra game. So you hate C.D. Lamb. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have a question. Is anybody worried about his touchdowns? That, I, you know, Prescott's never been a huge touchdown. The, the pie. Yeah. Like, they're going to throw a fifth of their passes to somebody we don't have any interest in because most teams do. And the Cowboys have basically every year that Dak's there. They're going to throw a third of their passes to their running backs and tight ends. And they're going to throw 20 to 25% to Cooper. Like Gallup has to disappear, I think, or Cooper could be hurt. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, it's, does he feel to you like a high catch guy that hopefully gets a touch? That, that's what I think he's safer in PPR lamb. Right, right. He should be. I mean, if you know, if you're concerned about the touchdowns, and so if you're just going based on what his, you know, pace was and what he hasn't projected for, you know, so um, it doesn't feel like he's going to be a high double-digit touchdown guy. I mean, could he get, you know, ten potentially in seventeen games? Eight probably feel safe as a as a good number. Um, but you know, should Cooper miss time and there's already an injury, you got to bake into it a little bit that this this the ceiling could be awesome. Oh, and, and I like I agree with that one hundred percent. You still have Cooper ahead of Lamb, Jamie. One spot, yeah, one spot. Mm. And you do too, I assume. I think I have him eighteen and nineteen or seventeen and nineteen. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Not so much in the running back rankings, but overall in the top two hundred. And the same with Allen Robinson, Heath a lot higher on Robinson in the top two hundred in PPR. And uh, 11 spots higher than Jamie is on Allen Robinson. So we'll get to that when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, 
Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another cowboy. A lot of cowboys talk today. Ezekiel Elliott, the slim down version. He is the number five overall player for Jamie right now in the PPR top 200 and number 11 for Heath. Very similar in running back rankings, though. Heath has Austin Eckler ahead of Elliott, but uh, they're within one spot in the running back rankings, I believe, five and six for Jamie and Heath. But but a lot of wide receivers, Heath, that you're taking ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, whereas Jamie's comfortable taking him as the number five overall player. And I think that's Kelsey as well in that mix, Heath, that you're taking over Zeke. Yeah, and he's he's ten now because uh, I moved DeAndre Hopkins back to the second round. But I I do like I'm probably going to take the the top couple of wide receivers earlier than um, Dave and Jamie generally do, and that's just the way it's generally been for the past several years. So I don't think that's much of a surprise. I've got Kelsey around around six. Like the the two guys I think are Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, where we disagree in the running back rankings. And that's mostly because I still have Aaron Jones projected as if he's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. And I have Eckler and Zeke basically tied in terms of total fantasy points. Eckler was about a point and a half better last year. They were basically tied two years ago on a per-game basis. I guess my question, Jamie, for you is after the season he had last year, which was very, very productive with Dak, I should say, are you comfortable with him? You know, people talking about him losing it. He lost weight because he obviously felt like he needed to make a change. Are you really comfortable with him as the fifth overall pick in your draft? 100%. You know, uh, I guess I'm the Cowboys guy. Uh, (laughs) I I think their offense is going to be amazing. I think, you know, like you said, he was awesome with Dak last year. He was awesome with the offensive line back. um, On the offensive line of South, excuse me. Um, You want to talk about somebody great shape? Go look at Tyron Smith, by the way. Oh, my God. Uh, I think he weighed in at 308 pounds, but he's like chiseled. It just looks like a, a scary human being. Um, so if that offensive line is back to being what it typically is, the quarterback play back to being what it is, um, I, I think you have some legitimate concerns about Pollard taking on more work because I'm sure they want to make sure that they're healthy by the end of the season, and he deserves more work after what he showed you in, in spurts last year. But the track record of Zeke, you know, he talks about sample sizes. This guy has as good a sample size as anybody at that position. Um, when he's on the field, he gets the touches. He's, you know, become a very good pass-catching running back. And he produces at the goal line. So uh, Zeke could easily finish as the number one fantasy running back if he's healthy and plays to the level that he's capable of. Uh, I think he's uh, he's in the conversation for the top five, which is why he's fifth for me. If um, if Aaron Rodgers shows up, and I think this is like 40% possible, but let's say Aaron Rodgers shows up tomorrow <laughs> and just acts like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like, what, 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 are you guys, what are you guys talking about? Of course I'm playing. Is Aaron Jones ahead of Zeke for you? He'd be right behind. Right behind him, okay. Yep. And both ahead of Barkley. I do think, you know, in terms of Aaron Jones, the the concerns of running the ball with A.J. Dillon have to be factored in. He should be more involved in the passing game because no Jamal Williams turn Aaron, in terms of Aaron Jones. But I do think A.J. Dillon takes on a little bit more of the rushing workload and who knows how many touchdowns he steals because those quads are scary. So you guys are both going to have Zeke ahead of Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley? Definitely Barkley with the news of, you know, not being ready and potentially, you know, taking his time until October. Uh, Taylor, I struggle with, but I think Zeke's ceiling is higher. Yeah, I'm more worried about Taylor having to share more than I am Zeke, I think. So, um, and I, I would strongly prefer Zeke over Barkley. Just the five games Zeke played with Dak Prescott. If you just look at those games, it's five straight seasons as a per game top six running back in PPR, a per game top eight running back in non PPR. And in non-PBR, that would have been top six, four of the five years. So he uh, he has delivered every single year, but he has also apparently lost a little bit of that big playability. Hopefully it comes back as he's, uh, as he's slimmed down. Allen Robinson. All right. Allen Robinson is 12th 
for Jamie, or 11th for in PPR, he's 11th for Jamie and 8th for Heath. In non PPR, he's 12th. I move him up one. He's 10 now. Okay. In non PPR, he's what, 11th, 12th? Um, I think maybe 11. Okay, 11th and 13th for Heath. But in the top 200, he's 30th for Jamie. No, 26 now. Damn it. He's 26 for Jamie and 19th for Heath. Well, what changed, Jamie? You moved him ahead of four players in the top two. Um, I moved him ahead of Keenan Allen was one. Michael Thomas falling out was easy, obviously. Um, I forget who else. That Maybe the Cowboys sense. guys in non-PPR. Looks like you moved him ahead of Darren Waller and George Kittle. Oh, in top 200, yes. Yeah. Yes, I think he's in the... I'm, I'm a little concerned about drafting the two tight ends like in the second round. I'd rather have them early third. All right, then. Let me crap on Michael on uh, Allen Robinson a little bit. Do not. <laughs> the only thing this guy has done well... This is such an exaggeration, but here, I'm going to go for it anyway. The only thing this guy has done well is get a lot of targets. He has been twi- <laughs> two years in a row. He's been that's, third... That's all, but in- Really important, by the way. It's very important. Very important. (laughs) Two years in a row, he has been third in the NFL, at least among wide receivers, I I think, at every position, uh, in targets. Has he finished as a number three wide receiver? No. He's been basically about 10th to 12th per game in full PPR. In non-PPR, he has been, over the last two seasons, he has been per game 18th and 17th in non-PPR, 9th and 13th in full PPR, 12th and 15th in half PPR. So he plays 16 games. He has four seasons with 151 to 154 targets. Only one of those seasons, that was back in 2015, when he had 14 touchdowns and 1,400 yards, I think, uh, did he have like a huge season. So he's he has basically been kind of like a Stafford, you know, an accumulator, a guy who stays healthy, gets it. It's, it, it is true. If you look at Blake last year, Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky, I, I, hold Nick on, Bulls, I'm just saying, Chase Daniel, Chad Henney, Tyler Bray. Those are the six quarterbacks that he has. He has never played with a quarterback who has a yards per attempt as high as Andy Dalton's. He has never played with a quarterback who has a career is, touchdown was that rate true? as high was, as Andy Dalton. Was that true like, in 2015 of Bortles? What? Was that true I'm in 2000? Okay, but in two, but you can't do that because in 2015 Bortles had a great had one year. Good year because and because Robinson of Alan Robinson. and Robinson had a great year too, and Alan Hearns had a great year too. But no, it's true. He's had four straight seasons where his quarterback has failed to throw for 4,000 yards, not including 2017. I don't know what happened in 2017. Robinson got hurt in week one, but he's had terrible quarterbacks. But he's his also career, he doesn't do anything after the catch either. He's his, he's one of the of the top 12 wide receivers last year. He was tied with Tyler Lockett, I believe. I think it was Lockett. For the fewest yards per catch, yards after the catch per reception, so he's like a possession it's receiver. A funny thing to think, because most people think of Tyler Lockett doing everything down the field. It, it is yeah. really hard to pick up yards after the reception when you're diving out of bounds to catch errant throws. I just he has okay over and over and over played with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. His seven point seven yards per target is really mediocre. Yeah, it's also fifteen percent better than his quarterback's career yards per attempt. His 5% touchdown rate is mediocre. It's 20% better than his quarterback's career touchdown rate. So why are you so convinced that he's going to have better quarterback play this year? Andy Dalton has been better than all of those guys, yeah, noticeably, Andy Dalton for his is career. At the end and of his Justin career. Fields, I think, is very good. All right, so that, that, it really comes down to what you think Fields is going to do as a rookie. I think Andy Dalton will be better this year than Mitchell. I don't Trubisky think we should be talking Dalton. Dalton, to be honest. Dalton is going to be, he's, he's a placeholder. The minute that he struggles, he's gone. And it could be he go, he's gone after they just don't want to throw Justin Fields against the Rams in week one. I, by the way, I just want everybody to know that I last night in my dream, I took Allen Robinson to the fourth round that I was, I was fired up. And that's how you know I wasn't in the league. Because <laughs> he wouldn't have been there in the fourth round. I really am just... I really am just uh, playing devil's advocate. But Allen Robinson is is unfortunately been plagued by bad quarterback play. He's one of the more talented receivers that we've seen in the league during his time in the league, and hopefully Justin Fields is the one, or maybe Andy Dalton is uh, this quarterback situation for 2021 is the situation he needs to unleash his 
2015 potential once again when Blake Bortles had a ridiculous season out of nowhere. And a lot of it clearly was garbage time production in the fourth quarter and them chasing points. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that, you know, hopefully is going to be better throwing the football. And not that Anthony Miller was a problem, but, you know, you just remove the target and move, remove the player. And so hopefully that uh, opens things up for Robinson to continue to be the target hog that he's been. I don't think that Anthony Miller would have been a problem for that, but it's worth noting. Um, Tariq Cohen's on the pup list to open training camp. I don't know if you mentioned that, Adam, or not, but uh, he's, not. he's he's you know still uh, limited coming off of his injury a year ago, which is a benefit to Dave Montgomery. Another guy moved up in my rankings as a result of Tariq Cohen being a little slow to return. But uh, you're banking on Robinson, at worst, still being what he has been with terrible quarterback play if the quarterback play is terrible. And the hope is that these guys make him the player that he is. And, and so, the, again, to go back to what Heath likes to look at, sample size, he's been great with terrible, <laughs> terrible quarterbacks. So that's what you should buy into is that if Fields stinks, if Dalton is the worst Dalton again, then Robinson could still be very productive, if not still elite. And if he's getting better quarterback play, oh, my God, think about what the upside could be, especially if it's Fields and he steps into the NFL and has a Justin Herbert-like impact. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh yeah, okay. You should just, go back to sleep and dream about Robinson. Set our piece there. Uh, the NBA playoffs have wrapped. That means it's NBA draft season. CBS Sports HQ is your home for Thursday night's event. We're going to have pick-by-pick coverage, including grades and expert analysis for both rounds. How do you watch HQ? You watch it on the CBS Sports app on your phone. It even pops out so you can have it play while you scroll Twitter. You can watch HQ using the CBS Sports app on your connected TV, and you can watch on your computer via our NBA Draft Tracker page, which will be easily available on the cbsports.com homepage, all of it during Thursday night's draft. It's all free, featuring good friends Gary Parrish, Matt Norlander. How about Avery Johnson, Bill Ryder, Rip Hamilton? we got an all-star crew for you. Don't forget, NBA Draft coverage tips off at 7.30 p.m. on CBS Sports HQ this Thursday. All right, you guys. Uh, are- speaking of HQ, our show starts next Monday. Fantasy football today on CBS Sports HQ, twelve o'clock Eastern, 12, noon Eastern, every day from August second until the end of time. So <laughs> check it out. All of us will be on there. Should be a lot of fun. We got a lot of fun guest plan. Taking a little training camp tour with our NFL guys, Brian McFadden, Pete Prisco, Jonathan Jones, Jason Lacafora. We'll have some beat writers as well. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Getting you ready for the start of the season. Heath, would you like to read the emails while I will be right back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Just so you know, we talked about Giannis eating 50 nuggets on uh, the mailbag show, so you will, that you'll see a reference to that in this first email. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I, first I, I will be right back. Adam from the Queen City of the Southeast. I have no idea what that means. Subject, oh. Daniel Jones can't Charlotte, eat 50 right? nuggets. You know that? Charlotte's the Queen City. Okay, there we go. Dear Freedom, Freckles, Cat, and Molly. That I don't know. Nah, I don't either. After listening to your story yesterday on Giannis eating nuggets, I had to write in. We had a chicken nugget power hour a year or two ago. Like a normal power hour, but instead of beer, you eat a chicken nugget every minute. We use normal size nuggets. Chick-fil-A nuggets are half the size of a normal nugget. Five of us did it. Three of us finished. Only one person was 200 plus pounds. Based on that experience, I'd say everyone in the podcast... Is he saying that everyone in the podcast is over 200 pounds would have no problem eating 50 Chick-fil-A nuggets? Except no, I think he's saying that only one person was over 200 pounds so that we okay. are not all, all over 200 pounds. Except maybe Adam. Also, just kidding about Daniel Jones. He can definitely do it too. This is why we are reading the email. I was like, why are we reading an email about chicken nuggets? <laughs> I'm back. You're all sleeping on Jones. Year three and the first time he has full complement of offensive talent around him, he's going to be a ridiculous value in Superflex or two QB leagues. You're sleeping on Slayton too. I just wanted to read it for the nuggets part, actually. I wasn't even going to read the Daniel. So what did you guys determine? How many nuggets could you eat, Adam? Well, I don't know. I, somebody wrote that they were like, Wrapped in a bun, these nuggets. Is that true? I, I, I could know. eat. I'm sure I could the eat, internet would tell us. I could eat at least twenty-five. I definitely can't eat fifty. In what time frame? You know, one sitting, 10, 15 minutes. I could just, you know. Well, they were talking about one a minute for an hour. So that just sounds gross. Doesn't sound fun. Yeah, it doesn't. 
I was very impressed with Giannis. That but was, at least he said something nice about Daniel Jones. He did say something. We're not sleeping on Darius Slayton, by the way. Is not, not, yeah, that would be surprising. Uh, from Bradley, dear Josh, Marquez, Cameron, and Alvin. Uh, those Saints. are Saints. Yes. This time last year, DK Metcalf was someone who was not on my radar because of the narrative surrounding the Seahawks offense. I feel that the tale of two seasons narrative from last year is overinflated because Metcalf still managed to be one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy. I think he's a lock for 10-plus touchdowns and has less competition than for the most valuable targets than others in his range, like Brown, Jefferson, or Ridley. I'm not sure how you can justify taking any of them, A.J. Brown, Jefferson, or Ridley, over D.K. Metcalf. Make the case for and against D.K. Metcalf as the number one dynasty wide receiver. He could easily be the number one dynasty wide receiver. I mean, you know, you you look at what his where he's trending. You know, I, I'm actually finishing up third year receivers uh, today, so it'll be on the site um, Monday afternoon. That he's entering his third season. This is he is the prototypical third year wide receiver, by the way, uh, because not necessarily from a statistical standpoint, from a growth standpoint, because now he's getting different things thrown at him. You know, so going into year two, he didn't have a full off season. Same coordinator. But we know that they've all complained about how things were stagnant and everybody knew what they were doing and whatnot. Now, hopefully, Shane Waldron is going to come in and open up the route tree. And so if that happens for him and he becomes a more complete wide receiver and is able to do uh, some different things and use his physicality and his speed and all the things that he brings to the table, along with the plays that he makes down the field, he can be an absolute, absolute monster. So. Uh, when you compare him to A.J. Brown and to, to Calvin Ridley and those guys, I don't know how he ranked Heath for Dynasty. I can certainly see those guys being drafted out of him, and I get it. But I would have no hesitation if somebody told me, Justin Jefferson as well. If somebody said you want to draft D.K. Metcalf first overall, knowing that he's still got you know hopefully another five seasons with Russell Wilson, three to five seasons with Russell Wilson, and those two guys can still grow and be fantastic together. Yeah, I have, I have Jefferson and Brown ahead of Metcalf and Ridley right behind him, but they're all in the same tier. So... I I, th- I think any of them could be the number one wide receiver in Dynasty, and you could make an easy argument for it. Well, here's a good he question. Number one receiver in redraft, too. I mean, you're not going to draft him that way, but he could finish like that. Yeah, and this goes into our next question from Richard Hong from California. He says, when speaking about A.J. Brown, Chris Towers said, quote, he might just be the next best wide receiver in football for the next five years. I play in a dynasty league, and this got me thinking. Who do you guys think is, quote, the next best wide receiver in football for the next five years? I mean, I would have to agree with Chris because I have Brown second. But I think I think Metcalf, Ridley, or certainly, like, if you're looking for a guy that wouldn't cost quite as much, I think the two are Lamb and Chase. It's a great call, yeah. My, but bold, Jefferson. my Jefferson. bold prediction yeah. is that Jefferson is the best wide receiver. We'll, we'll be calling him the best wide receiver in football next, by the end of the year. I just love Justin Jefferson. But my God, we have some good young receivers. <laughs> and it could be Jamar Chase, right? Yeah, we'll could see. Could be Devontae Smith? Could be uh, Barry from the could OC. Tom Watson goes to Philly? How much, how much no. is more excited are you going to be about Devontae Smith? Um, this is from Barry. He says, subject Azer stat of the week. If we were to remove every, If we were to remove every game in which Daniel Jones had a turnover last season... He would have averaged 14 fantasy points per game. Are we sleeping on a top 30 quarterback in 2021? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the all alliteration. Like the the guys in that, I don't know if it's a tier, you want to say tier, but like which of the group of quarterbacks, like Daniel Jones, Tua, Wentz, um, who else falls in this category? Like, you know, just guys that were bad or didn't show you anything. Like who's going to be the one that steps forward? Maybe it's those three. Like Tua, who, who, who? Tua to me has is so interesting. I don't think anyone is excited about him, and I don't think anyone knows what the Dolphins' offense, offensive identity is. That's why I really struggle. I don't know what kind of team they are. So I was listening. You know, we're based in South Florida, so I hear a lot of the you know local guys bringing on national guys and what they say and all those things. And I forget who it was, so I apologize. But on one of the local stations, they were saying, like, they're, clear, they're clearly telling you what they want their identity to be, which makes sense, is they want to be a vertical passing team. And so, you know, you bring in Will Fuller, you bring in Jalen Waddle, and they are going to be a team that throws to set up the run. If that's the case, Tua could be a star. But he's got to prove it. That's the biggest thing. Heath, what were you going to say? Who's the quarterback in that range that you think could jump out? 
I mean, Daniel Jones is the one I have projected for the most points. I think Tua is the one most likely to make a leap. You could make the argument that he didn't really have a number one wide receiver, and now he's got two of them. But <laughs> I, um, I, I think in terms of the guy who's being slept on the most as a possibility, it's probably Locke. Just because we've seen a lot less bad play from him than we've seen a lot of guys that people are excited about. Right, but the thing is obviously Teddy. Right. And what happens there? I also saw a a stat about Tua actually being very good throwing the ball downfield. And Daniel Jones actually graded out graded very well as a deep ball passer too, which surprised me. He was terrible. The, the, both those stuff. two guys, like Wentz is different because he doesn't have the the receiving core, at least on paper. But those two guys, when you look at it, uh, the three of them, I mean, Locke as well. You know, Locke has, the, you know, one of the best receiving cores on paper. Uh, the Dolphins, as you alluded to, Heath, the two guys they bring in along with Parker and Gusecki. And then Daniel Jones. I mean, they, they've all been given significant assets, whether coming back from injury like Sutton for the Broncos or, you know, what the other two teams are brought in. It's, it's, it, I hope they all step forward. It'd be great for fantasy. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Especially in two QB leagues, it would, it would be so much fun. And, uh, also, Barry has the all-alliteration team, which is something we did on a podcast last week. Uh, it is Kyler, Christian, Kamara, Clyde, Keenan, Cooper, Cup. Those are two different people, Amari and Cooper Cup. Uh, Kelsey, Cortland, Claypool, Kansas City, and Koo. All right, I like it. The all-alliteration team. That is a squad I would go to battle with. <laughs> Kyler Murray, McCaffrey, you Kamara. Could you could do auction, right? Salary cap. Yeah, you could do a salary. You could... That'd be difficult to pull off. I don't know how you would get... McCaffrey, Kamara, and Kelsey. Now you could never pull this off. You would need three times as much money as everyone else in your Ke- league. Keeper, keeper dynasty league, you could pull it off. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to our rankings disputes. We'll talk about some training camp battles on tomorrow's show. For Heath and Jamie, I am Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. And by the way, remember, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. See you on YouTube. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.